It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. evidence, they say, in the impeachment inquiry of Joe Biden. Two, all the worst people came out to watch Aaron Rodgers blow out his Achilles. Three, do you rank your children like primetime? Do you rank your kids like Deion Sanders? It's the Will Kane Podcast on Fox News Podcast. What's up? And welcome to Wednesday. As always, I hope you will download, rate, and review this podcast wherever you get your audio entertainment at Apple, Spotify, or at Fox News Podcast. Every comment, every five-star review that you leave helps us find a new member of our community here at The Will Cain Show. You can watch The Will Cain Show on Rumble or on YouTube. A big, gigantic cherry on top of a turd of a weekend. I told you on Sunday about my horrific travel weekend, one of my worst, as I become America's top five candidate to be George Clooney in that movie, Up in the Air. I'm a frequent flyer like none other. I've got it wired. I carry on. I don't check. I go through security quickly. I have very little patience for the infrequent traveler who spends so much time right there at the x-ray conveyor belt, trying to figure out, should I or should I not take out my laptop? I know exactly where the lounge is. I know exactly how much time it takes me to walk to my gate. I know when it is it's time to start lining up, as opposed to those people who are boarding group three and somehow still crowd around the funnel of the entry when it's still not even yet boarding group one. I've got it down. I know what I'm taking out of my backpack on my way down the jet bridge. Get the iPad, get the charger, get the headphones so that you can throw the backpack up above and retain that foot room beneath your seat. Yes, it's true. I still fly coach easily more than 50% of the time. I don't know why I do that. I don't know. Man of the people. We can't all be Deion Sanders and Shannon Sharp and Stephen A. Smith flying PJs around from coast to coast into each college football game. But last weekend, despite my status, it really got me. I got dumped off in Philadelphia with a salute and a good luck from American Airlines on Friday. And then I had eight hours of delays on Sunday, putting me home well past midnight. But I did get to watch the Cowboys absolutely dominate the Giants in the modern miracle that is streaming the Internet in a metal tube flying 30,000 feet above the Earth. There's nothing like being in the stars. While you watch the stars of America's team. What a gigantic cherry on top of my turd of a weekend with my football results. Texas handily defeating, convincingly beating Alabama and the Dallas Cowboys dominating the New York Giants 40 to nothing. It is that time of year where I get to say with a tad bit of objectivity, a ton of optimism, a healthy heap of hope that I could pull off a double championship before this thing is over. It could be 
double championship belts for Will in 2024. We'll be right back with more of the Will Kane Podcast. I'm Guy Benson. Join me weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and guests. Listen live on the Fox News app or get the free podcast at GuyBensonShow.com. Story number one. No hard evidence. That's the edit. From no evidence that they're trotting out to try to thwart the impeachment inquiry of President Joe Biden. House Majority Leader Kevin McCarthy announced on Tuesday that he has greenlit an impeachment inquiry as, quote, the logical next step against President Biden. The House GOP conference, according to Fox Business, plans to hold a meeting on Thursday morning for key committee chairs to lay out their latest findings and the status of the investigations into the Biden family. House Judiciary Committee Chairman Representative Jim Jordan of Ohio and House Oversight Committee Chairman Representative James Comer of Kentucky are expected to lead Thursday's meeting. McCarthy is expected to say an impeachment inquiry is, quote, the logical next step for the Republican majority. An inquiry is the first step of the impeachment process, where evidence is gathered for the articles or charges of impeachment against an official, in this case, the President of the United States, in this case, Joe Biden. The resounding response from anyone who, quite honestly, is anti-Trump is that there is no evidence, no hard evidence to support this impeachment inquiry. I say anti-Trump, because that's how the world's been divided, not into Republican and Democrat, but into sane and anti-Trump. That's not to say that everybody that is sane is pro-Trump, but most people that are sane are not completely anti-Trump. I got a fascinating email this past weekend from a listener here of the Will Kane podcast. I found it really enlightening, and I wanted to share it with you. Talked about our recent podcast where I suggested that Ron DeSantis may never be president, that the governor of Florida simply doesn't understand retail politics. And because of that, he will never be president of the United States. Lorene Leiter emailed me the following. She said, first, let me tell you how much I love your podcast. It's a pleasure listening to you. I learned something, and I almost always like your take on things. I must disagree with you, however, regarding the reason Ron DeSantis is slipping in the polls. You think it's because he's bad at, quote, retail politics and that he's, quote, uncomfortable around people. If this were true, he would never have been elected to Congress, and he would never have had such a resounding re-election victory in Florida. I also watched the people around him at press conferences and can't help but notice how accordingly those people or adoringly those people look at him. I have a radar for these things. In addition, he usually gets his way with the Republican legislature in Florida, a sure sign they like and support him. Also, he would never have gotten to 20% or so in the primary season if he was so bad at retail politics. You yourself, Will, said you liked him when you met him and that he looked you in the eye, was conversational and had a firm handshake. I wonder why those people who you know had a different experience. Maybe they're a little too judgmental. Maybe they expect all politicians to be cut from the same cloth. 
Looking them in the eye, active listening skills perfected, laughing at all their dumb jokes. Personally, I don't mind if someone's a little different. I even find it refreshing when I come across people who find it impossible to be phonies. To me, the answer is clear. He started dropping in the polls when Trump started trashing him. Trump made gullible people believe DeSantis was a rhino and disloyal and all kinds of garbage. I based this on my close watch of social media. That was the day I turned on Trump. I thought it was extremely selfish to destroy one of our heroes purely for his own selfish gain. I mean, don't we need all the heroes we can get? This confirms what I suspected all along. Trump is more for Trump than he is for America. Thank you for all the nice things you said about DeSantis. Far too many people in the media are afraid to say anything nice about him for fear of the wrath of Trump. Columbia, South Carolina. I think that's a wonderful note in the kind of spirit that I hope to cultivate here on the Will Kane podcast, where people of differing opinions, not just right within right, but right and left, can have a cordial conversation with one another about the way we see things, our differences. I still disagree with Lorene. I don't know that I believe Ron DeSantis can ever be president of the United States. I think his success in Florida is a testament to him overcoming his limitations at retail politics. I think Ron DeSantis is a phenomenal governor. And I would never hear tell you that extending a firm handshake is a secret to great leadership. But I think it might be part of the secret to getting elected to leadership. I think Ron DeSantis' success in Florida, or perhaps even greater success, is because they overcame his own limitations. I don't think Lorene is wrong that there has been this tribal line drawn in the Republican Party between Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis, that you can't simply be someone that says, I want a good leader, and I don't disdain either of these men. I think both would be good leaders for America. That's not allowed, at least not during the primary season, the way this battle has been drawn. And I think that's unfortunate. And I think it probably has contributed to the slumping polls for Ron DeSantis. But I don't think it is dispositive. I don't think it is everything. I still think he has his own challenges. I think those challenges has to be addressed if he has a political future at the national level in 2028. But I bring that up, not because I think that email is an example. It's in fact the opposite of an example of how the world's been divided into pro and anti-Trump. What I mean more by that is that what you will see across the political spectrum, former Republicans who are commentators on MSNBC who have found themselves in alignment with Nicole Wallace because of Donald Trump saying things like, there is no evidence again, they've edited that to no hard evidence to support an impeachment inquiry against Joe Biden. It's it's as it's as though they can't see. They're not willing to consider. They can't read anything that has been investigated, has been compiled, has attempted to be shared with the American public because all they can hear or see or better yet all they can feel is Donald Trump and an impeachment inquiry of Joe Biden is somehow advantageous to Donald Trump. Let's take a moment to draw another corollary to Donald Trump. They're out there saying, there's nothing here. It's a nothing burger. There's no evidence. As though they did not just pursue two impeachments of Donald Trump with much less evidence. Evidence which ultimately failed, impeachments which ultimately failed. In fact, the process that they embarked on to impeach Donald Trump was devoid of any of the traps. A parliamentary procedure of doing things the quote-unquote right way 
is behind closed doors, didn't require a complete vote within the House. Where Kevin McCarthy, the House Majority Leader, wants this to be done the right way. He wants a vote within the House on the impeachment of Joe Biden. But now all of a sudden, now all of a sudden, they've once again found their religion and the norms are so important, even when the norms are upheld. The only reason they think that the norms are not upheld is because they're like Philip Bump, that Washington Post reporter who was on a podcast and he basically ran out screaming and crying when confronted with evidence of Hunter Biden and Joe Biden's corruption. All he could say then in that interview was, oh, there's no evidence. Oh, I know you like circumstantial evidence. All of a sudden, circumstantial evidence has no weight. Circumstantial evidence, which has convicted murderers to the death penalty in this country for generations, all of a sudden now has no weight. It's like circumstantial evidence is rumor, hearsay, nothing. Congressman Sean Perry was up, and some reporter with a British accent was putting it to him in these terms. You have nothing here. What do you say? It's just a partisan witch hunt. It's just... It's just um, a, a political weaponization. No, no, no. I'm sorry. Kind British lady. That's the Department of Justice. Because there is smoke. Enough that there are embers and sparks and small flames here to point you in the direction of guilt of Joe Biden. There is, in short, an overwhelming case of circumstantial evidence. Let's just quickly... Go back through it. One, the president's son has jobs on corporate boards across the world, most notably at the corrupt Ukrainian energy company, Burisma, situated within the corrupt nation of Ukraine. Hunter Biden, a noted crackhead with no linguistic skills in Ukrainian and no resume of any type in the energy business, somehow finds himself making $80,000 a month on the board of Ukrainian Energy Company. Circumstantial piece of evidence number one. Oh, well, well, politicians and patronage go back decades. It doesn't suggest corruption or influence peddling. Okay. Number two. Hunter Biden... There are White House logs had invited his father, Joe Biden, when he was vice president to numerous dinners with Biden, Hunter Biden, business associates, including some of those Ukrainians, Russians, Chinese. Joe Biden attended those dinner meetings with Hunter and those corrupt businesses. Oh, well, well, Joe Biden's son and he have a social relationship just like you do with your son. That doesn't mean they discussed businesses. Corrupt businesses. It doesn't mean it was influence peddling. Okay. Number three. Devin Archer reported that during many of those meetings, when Joe Biden wasn't in attendance, Hunter Biden would step away from the meetings, call his dad, and then put some of those other officials on the phone with his dad while they had been discussing business previously. Archer testified to the House Oversight Committee that he couldn't say whether or not Joe Biden was discussing business. They'd stepped away. And I think he even editorialized that he doubted they had ever discussed business that's a talking point that's been run with on msnbc but the facts that's hearsay by the way but the facts of that testimony are that joe biden got on the phone during business meetings with hunter biden and then by extension with those biden business dealings during dinners where he was not present 
Oh, Will, it's a father and son relationship. Of course they talk on their phone. Don't you talk on the phone with your son? My, my son's not yet in business with corrupt energy companies in Ukraine, but I guess, yeah, it's possible. I could talk to my son, coincidentally. I don't know about dozens of times, but it's possible. Okay. Number four, Devin Archer testified that the reason that Hunter Biden was involved in all these business dealings was, quote, for the brand. What did he mean by for the brand? Well, he certainly didn't mean Pat McAfee's for the brand, the former NFL punter with a star YouTube show that turned into an ESPN talk show from noon to two every day, where his saying is his theme is for the brand, the brand of punters. No, it was for the Biden brand. It was for Washington, D.C. Archer testified for the idea that it would make things easier when pressed. What do you mean make what easier? Legal troubles. Oh, Will, that's a son trading on his father's name, the brand. He's just trying to grease the wheels of corrupt companies by saying, hey, my dad's vice president. Come on. It's not. No hard evidence. Okay. Number five. Joe Biden bragged that he got a prosecutor in Ukraine who was investigating Burisma fired. He withheld $1 billion of U.S. aid to Ukraine unless they would in turn fire that prosecutor, Viktor Shokin, who was looking into Burisma. He said, son of a bitch, what do you know? The next day, Victor Shokin was fired. Oh, Will, Victor Shokin wasn't investigating Burisma. In fact, he wasn't doing his job investigating corrupt companies. Haven't you heard? That's the Democratic talking point from the Washington Post. No hard evidence. Okay. Hunter Biden and Jim Biden had business dealings in China, Ukraine, Russia, and numerous other countries across the world from those countries, from corporations within those countries. And most of them are like China, where those corrupt companies are in direct relationship to the corrupt political parties of those nations. And in the case of China, corrupt political parties that are avowed enemies of the United States of America, the Chinese Communist Party. Money flowed from those companies to over 20 members of the Biden family, Hunter Biden, Jim Biden, other brothers, grandchildren, through numerous shell companies. Don't you have shell companies? Don't I? We all have shell companies. I have shell companies. You know, these are pass-through companies that have no stated operation of business. They simply hold money within an account for sometimes just over 24 hours not to raise too many red flags before distributing them to the beneficiaries of those shell companies, all of whom seem to have been, or the vast majority seem to have been, members of the Biden family. Oh, Will. I don't know what to say to that one, Will. No hard evidence. Okay. What number am I on? Let's say seven. Joe Biden afforded multiple homes across America, a life of luxury after spending the entirety of his career as a senator to the United States of America, a senator's salary, and roughly two and a half years in the private sector where he's making, I don't know, a book deal and giving some speeches. It afforded him a life of luxury that supported not only the multiple homes he has across this country, but his family's life of wealth and privilege as well. Oh, Will, politicians are rich. Hmm. The guy who bragged about being the poorest member of Congress now worth millions. 
okay. That, my friends, is a mosaic, a picture of circumstantial evidence that doesn't just suggest smoke, but sparks and flames to be found. A raging fire at the end of a real impeachment inquiry. And I do not think this investigation is done. James Comer and that House Oversight Committee should be able to find yet even more. The bereavement executive said it would take 10 years to unwind the payments, the suggested $10 million in bribery payments that went from Burisma to Joe Biden and to Hunter Biden. And that may be true, but they couldn't cover up the smoke. Maybe they keep a blanket over the flames, but they couldn't cover up the smoke. And that smoke is circumstantial evidence. And it is completely and utterly partisan dishonest to pretend that there is no hard evidence to justify the next logical step of an impeachment inquiry against Joe Biden. We're going to step aside here for a moment. Stay tuned. Story number two. All the worst people were out to watch Aaron Rodgers in his debut as a New York Jet blow out his Achilles. Sadly, on Monday Night Football, the New York Jets and Aaron Rodgers took on Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. Just a few plays into the game, Aaron Rodgers wheeled out to escape an oncoming rush from the Buffalo Bills. And you can see in slow motion as he planted his foot, his calf reverberate, rupture, like it had been released from tension. The Achilles popped on the first ballot Hall of Famer. Really sad moment for anyone that wants to see high-level athletes complete, compete in high levels. But not sad, apparently, for everyone. Former ESPN and MSNBC host Keith Olbermann tweeted, Another sudden Lisfranc, that's a type of injury, usually to the foot, another sudden Lisfranc due to the failure to vaccinate multiple syringe emojis. It's hard to completely fathom the depths of the darkness of the soul of Keith Elberman. And I am hesitant to even give this man the attention that he so desperately craves to talk about him, to utter his name. But this is a truly awful human. I think anybody that can look at someone else's injury Anybody else's moment of destruction and celebrate with glee a political opinion, a disagreement, a personal medical choice has measured themselves and revealed themselves with that measurement as coming up short. Oldman wasn't done. There was multiple tweets leaning in. Hashtag sudden unvaccinated injury. The New York Jets tweeted, not the way any of us wanted it to go, but we know the commitment you've made to this team and will continue to impact us moving forward. Get well soon, Aaron Rodgers. Olbermann quote tweeted that and said, define any, meaning the first sentence of the Jets tweet, not the way any of us wanted it to go, suggesting, oh, he definitely, in fact, wanted it to go this way. He wanted to see a human being rupture their Achilles. What a dark, dark soul. What a crap human. He wasn't alone. 
Clarence Hill, whom I know, a reporter here in Dallas for the Dallas Cowboys, he got after it as well. And he did it with some type of belief that he had some moral authority. Clarence Hill, when Aaron Rodgers ran out at the beginning of the game, still healthy with an American flag on 9-11, out into the stadium, when ESPN tweeted, chills, Aaron Rodgers ran out with the flag ahead of the Bills, Jets, but enough football. Hill tweeted, Mr. Anti-Vax himself. Mr. Anti-Vax himself. These people are nothing. They have no soul, no, no insides. They've got nothing to fill themselves except for the ugly divisiveness of their opinions. And as is always the case, and we're reminded over and over again, they are everything, everything that they accuse others of being. Hill went on in numerous tweets saying, oh, I've lost people to COVID and Aaron Rodgers is a conspiracy theorist with Joe Rogan who has on Alex Jones and I guess by implication he's suggesting that Aaron Rodgers is responsible for people dying from COVID because he didn't want to personally take a vaccine that we know did not work. That's the other crazy ass thing about this. It's important to know because right now we're headed down the path of another COVID booster. Can you believe it? Holy hell. Another COVID booster. I mean, at this point, if you have the opinions of Oberman or Hill, you are beyond a country rube. You are a mark. You're the mark. You're the one. You are the one. If you look around the room, you can't identify who's the mark amongst a room of con men. You're the mark. Doesn't stop transmission. Does not stop transmission. Does not stop transmission. And for them to sell us another one, and of course, pretend like there are no downsides, with very limited, by the way, very limited, if at all, upsides to sell, you are the mark. But that wasn't all. Look, now the Jets go on to win the game. They beat the Bills. Shockingly. Under the guidance of Zach Wilson, or despite the guidance of Zach Wilson. Many are asking today, you know, who's the next quarterback for the New York Jets? Who can they sign? And the choices aren't great. Here are some of the names out there that they could maybe sign. How about, in the first two I will suggest, this is probably the first calls I would make. Colt McCoy, just let go by the Arizona Cardinals. Colt's been in the league forever. I mean, he's never lit the league up, but he's been a competent quarterback in the NFL for what's it been now, a dozen years? The Jets have a good defense. They have, they need competent quarterback play. Here's another name, Marcus Mariota. Mariota wasn't bad with the Atlanta Falcons last year. He just wasn't good. But this is the situation we're in, if you're a Jets fan. You don't really have the luxury of saying, hey, who's great, who's good? You right now need to figure out who's not bad. Mariota was bad in the preseason with the Philadelphia Eagles, but I would be interested in Marcus Mariota and Colt McCoy, much more than these names. Joe Flacco, Carson Wentz, Phillip Rivers, Matt Ryan, who's in the broadcast booth right now, but apparently hasn't yet filed his retirement papers. Tom Brady, please. Trade for Jameis Winston from the New Orleans Saints, I guess. And then, of course, because it will be the year 2030, 
and Quinn Ewers, the quarterback of the Washington Commanders, right now of the Texas Longhorns, will have just gotten hurt. And somewhere out there, you know, seven years from now, a good 11, 12 years removed from him, any sort of relevance, Jamel Hill will be tweeting about, you know who's available for the Commanders now that Quinn Ewers is hurt. That's right. Colin Kaepernick. Jamel Hill tweeted last night, there's a quarterback right there in New Jersey who took a team to a Super Bowl in an NFC championship game. It rhymes with Happernick. My God. It's her Tebow. She's not alone. Remember when Skip was all over Tebow and every... Hey, man, that's what got attention. That's what drove ratings. Tebow. It's her brand. Talk about Kaepernick. Kaepernick is never again playing in the NFL. No more. No more Kaepernick. There's also those, by the way, pointing out the tragedy, the injustice, in essence, of this injury to Aaron Rodgers. He was hurt at MetLife Stadium on turf. There are studies out that some have put together showing, look, less than half of the fields in the NFL have natural grass. I'm sure they have natural gas. They don't have natural grass. And that means they're playing on turf. And I believe the stats and studies show that is it by some significant margin, you are more likely to have some type of catastrophic injury on turf than you are on grass. David Bakhtiari, an offensive lineman for the Green Bay Packers, found it just unconscionable that a lot of these stadiums, like MetLife, like AT&T in Dallas, are going to take out their turf and put in grass to host the upcoming World Cup soccer here in the United States. Soccer players will play on grass, but football players have to play on turf, leading to greater likelihood for injuries like this to Aaron Rodgers. It's sad all around, and I'm going to say this, not to make light of the situation, but only to predict, well, something's going to happen in about seven weeks. I got bad news for the New York Jets. That offensive line, which was not very good, and Zach Wilson, who's not very good, are going to have trouble picking their eyes up off of that turf. It'll be turf in Dallas at AT&T Stadium because next up for the Jets, the Dallas Cowboys, who sacked Daniel Jones and the New York Giants something like 842 times on Sunday night. I got bad news for young Zach Wilson. Here comes Micah Parsons, and I will be there on Sunday to watch that horror of a defense. And I say that in the most complimentary of fashions, that horror of a defense for the Dallas Cowboys coming straight at the New York Giants. Story number three. Do you rank your kids like Deion Sanders? Deion Sanders is the talk of the town, the talk of football. Colorado Buffalo games, national exposure, big ratings, and this weekend, in their game against Colorado State, their rivalry game against Colorado State, they'll have both Big Noon kickoff and College Game Day on campus for Colorado. Everybody likes talking about Prime. Did you know that Dion ranks his children? Let me read to you. A Instagram post from Deion Sanders. Happy birthday to my favorite son, Deion Sanders Jr. My favorite son. That The thing that we all try to avoid, Deion leans right into. No, no, you're my favorite. He says, I'm so proud of you. Although you're in my pockets from time to time. <clears throat> Weirdly, I don't know why time is capitalized both 
times. The T in time capitalized both times. I don't know what he believes is a proper noun about the phrase time to time. Your productivity is well above reproach. You have blown up my social, JSU social, your sibling social, and you're excellent at what you do. Keep on striving for your dreams and to understand your purpose in life. You're the number one son and the number one on the kids' rankings currently. But he doesn't stop there. He didn't just say that Deion Sanders Jr. is his number one son. He then ranks his five kids. And he doesn't only rank his five kids, he tags them on Instagram so that they know for sure where they stand in Dion's power rankings. If you're curious, you would think maybe Shador Sanders, his son who's the quarterback of the Colorado Buffaloes, who people are talking about for the Heisman and helping lead them to an undefeated record so far, would rank pretty high. Sorry, no. Shador is decidedly mid. Deion Sanders, one. Junior, one. Shalomi Sanders, his daughter, two. Shadur Sanders comes in at three. Deandra Sanders, another daughter, comes in at four. And Shiloh Sanders, his other son, who also plays for Colorado, plays cornerback, I believe, comes in at number five. So he's power ranked them, tagged them, put them on notice, exactly where they stand in his children's rankings. Do you rank your children? Maybe quietly to yourself. Maybe in hushed conversations with your husband or wife. Or never, not at all, not to be spoken. One of the producers of the Will Kane Show podcast here, Patrick Hatton, he's got like, like 12 kids. Seriously, I think Patrick, what does Patrick have? Does he have seven kids? Does he have nine like Rachel Campos Duffy? I'm going to ask Rachel Campos Duffy this weekend if she ranks her kids. Patrick says, I'm thinking about creating a power rankings on the fridge for my kids. The baby isn't at the top at the moment. She poop exploded during the night, and I ended up having to move to the couch. When you have two like me, it's hard to power rank, you know? I don't. I can't I don't. I don't have favorites. I don't have a favorite. I love them both. Exactly the same amount. I mean it. I'm not even lying. Now, if I had more, I might start seeing more different. I mean, mine two are very different. Very different. Different personalities. They look different. But, in fact, their differences are so pronounced that it makes it easier for me to love them uniquely for who they are and in equal um, equal amounts. You know what I'm saying? But if I had, like, six kids and there was only slight variations among them, well, then I could see maybe, like, y- you know, you clearly are in the same vein as your brother, but you're a lesser version of him. <laughs> and then I would be, it would be hard for me to avoid that ranking. So I think this might be a thing where if you have multiple kids, Will Kane podcast at fox.com, at Will Kane on X. Let me know. You power rank your kids. That's going to do it for me today here on the Will Kane podcast. I will see you again next time. Listen ad free with a Fox News podcast plus subscription on Apple Podcasts and Amazon Prime members. You can listen to this show ad free on the Amazon Music app. Hi, everybody. It's Brian Kilmeade. I want you to join me weekdays at 9 a.m. East as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and, of course, what you think. Listen live or get the podcast now at briankilmeadeshow.com.